Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 47 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And we are happy to be talking to you today. Hopefully you are somewhere bundled up and warm since as we are recording this, they're saying first snow. Yeah. So I'll assume it just snowed all weekend. And that everybody's in a super bad yeah, mood today. Dinkin' <laughs> winter has finally arrived. And it has. Game I'm, of Thrones has been calling it well, for so long. I was going to say here, but you know, I don't want to get sued by for copyright infringement by HBO. You're right. So <laughs> I'm just going to say it's that's it's super, around. That's super smart. But you're having a good day because someone who loves you got you a present. You did, and yeah. it is probably the greatest <laughs> present in the history of the world. My many faces, picture. the many, it'll be, yeah, we'll put it up on our, on our page there, the many faces of Nick Cage yes. t-shirt, which immediately yep. it moves right to the top of my shirt. I'm so collection. happy. See, I know you. I know where your heart is. Oh, of and course. And it's with Nicolas Cage of all course. the time. <laughs> That's As what you get also for ruining my life with Nicolas Cage things. Ruined or made it better that, because... That's super debatable. Everybody now knows who your favorite actor is, That Michelle, is not true. Why, do not start that. Well, then why did you request to do a whole episode about it? All right. Why do you got stuff on your page? We are going to just move right on <laughs> because, again, I just instantly can't stand you. But um, so it has been excluding any snow. It's been super beautiful outside. Like the leaves, I feel they're just they're extra baller this year. No. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're like super yellow, super orange, super red. I, um, I just got done driving uh, between Buffalo and New York, so I got to go through all the oh, whole so middle of the state. It was that? oh, it was gorgeous. And I feel like because it's been windy and a little rainy, it brings them down more. Mm -hmm. So then you're driving down roads that not only are the trees full, but the road is completely covered in them. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's just beautiful. There's yellow and orange everywhere. Mm, we're loving it. So we thought that we would talk about some of the most beautiful films. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about some of the most beautiful picture books that have come out this year because I was thinking we don't talk about kids' stuff a lot. And, you know, Christmas is coming. So if you're looking for some beautiful picture books, we're going to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, you're going to need them. You're going to get kids to entertain and such. So. There you go. I mean, they're available at the library, but, you know, sometimes you might want to just grab them, too. Yeah. Do I mean, what, do what you want. Yeah. I mean, we're do gonna, you. We, we could talk about the plots of the picture books, but, you know. Yeah, I, I have like a, like a sentence. Yeah, you know. But if anything, I'll just start screaming titles out. <laughs> that's, how, that's what people like. But so now let's talk about some beautiful movies. I have a lot to say about this, so... I'm going to oh, well, be a little means. loquacious today, so I apologize in advance. So, okay, first one I want to talk about, this is a, a Yimu Zhang movie. Nailed you, it. You know who he, yeah. There's also names throughout all of this that I'm going to say incorrectly. Um, you know his work. He's done House of Flying Daggers and Curse of Golden Flower. Both pretty fun movies in their own right. Fun and also gorgeous movies. Really, really beautiful. But one of his films that I am going with is Hero. Are you familiar with Hero? Yes, a Jet Li movie. Yes, it is my favorite. So this movie is super, super visually arresting. And it's a martial arts epic. It's set in ancient China. And there is an unnamed fighter who, as Jacob said, is played by Jet Li. And he's being honored for defeating three of the king's most dangerous enemies. So as Nameless, that's what they call him, recounts his battle with the assassins. There's Broken Sword, Flying Snow, and Moon. Super awesome. Yeah, great names. The king begins to question some of the details. So as Nameless goes on, the king challenges the tales, and then he's interjecting his own take um, on these sort of suspicious events. Now, how to really describe the film? It is... 
it's poetic. Um, it has a very, very serious commitment to style, which I think adds to the beauty. It's told through three perspectives. Um, Always love that Rashomon style when you get the different views. That's that's exactly what it is. The whole film is kind of an homage to Rashomon, and each perspective in the storytelling is told in a different color, and like they just nail the colors. So like the whole scene just just is glowing with yellow or red, or at the end there's so much green. I mean, it's really beautiful. It's a film that you know if I end up having a party or something, I'll often just put on the TV with no volume, just so that it's something so beautiful to watch. Um, Probably best with some of the nonsensical plot points that go on. At yeah, points. I mean, and that's not you know not something that you worry about as no. much with this film. Um, but I feel like he went, he definitely was like super crazy with filming it. Like, okay, there's one scene between Moon and Flying Snow. You'll know the one where they're wearing red, but they're on like the yellow leaves. Mm-hmm. They filmed it in this forest in Mongolia, and the director, the director had to wait like from when they got there until the leaves turned the perfect shade of yellow to film, and then he hired local nomads to gather more yellow leaves from other parts of the area so that the ground was completely covered before they started filming. See, I love that attention to authenticity, because in you know U.S., they'd be like, just spray paint the leaves, man. We'll just co- exactly, put like, paint on all of them. And I think a lot of the films that I'll be talking about, like the directors, they have that vision of just completely authentic. It also, there's a scene on the lake, that lake scene is amazing there's a fight that takes place on water um and that took almost three weeks to film because the director insisted that the lake's surface had to be perfectly still and mirror-like during filming um and then you know because there is there's natural currents in water the stillness occurred every day for only two hours starting at 10 a.m so I like how they measured that. There's somebody that's going to be like the stillness man. Absolutely. They like, had to know. So the filmmakers had to get up at 5 a.m. each day to begin the five hours of preparation just to be able to shoot in the two hours of perfectly still water. But it's amazing. The effect is worth it. The film is beautiful. And it is the first foreign language film to open at number one at the U.S. box office. Is it really? Yes. I was oh, wow. I was totally shocked by that. So, again, all of the films, House of Flying Daggers, Curse of the Golden Flower, gorgeous films, um, but I definitely recommend Hero as, I'm going to say, my number four choice of most beautiful films. Or are we ranking these? I just decided that I am <laughs> right now. I'm going to do four. This is number four. All right. Well, we're, I, I'm very curious to see how different our options are going to be here. Well, Jacob, considering how different our minds are that has been proven throughout our shows. I don't know what you're talking about. I think we are one mind here. This will be very interesting. All right, so what will you start with? All right, so I'm going to start uh, in a similar kind of time frame, I suppose. I'm going to go with Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Fabulous. Beautiful. Yeah. So, oh, man, Not my just, favorite film. No. Like I didn't I wouldn't say that was a five star film for me plot wise, but that is a five star visual film. Yeah, it's so it's a sequel to Blade Runner from well, I'm the early eighties sci fi classic, depending on who you talk to. Which could also be on a list of beautiful films. Right. I mean that's another great one if you want to take a look. Um but some people don't really dig the cyberpunk um, kind mm-hmm. of water as- or rain aesthetic that's going for, but I think it's just it's such a beautiful movie to behold. Um, it did win the Oscar for best visual. Like, oh, that's right. Best visuals and stuff. Deservedly. Best cinematography and so anybody if you have not seen Blade Runner, it's a pretty complicated story to try to get into people. So we're not gonna. Yeah, we're just gonna focus on the visuals there. Yeah, there's, there's cyborgs. There's replicants. There's you know. 
There's words that you don't know what they mean unless you see the films. <laughs> yeah. So aside from the beautiful um, getting to watch Ryan Gosling for two hours and 45 minutes, which, you know, we're not going to complain about it all. Worth it. We are not. It's just such a vibrant use of color coming off of all the buildings. Like you have this dreary background of like societal, societal decay. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of falling apart or just kind of gross and grimy, like the buildings and the people and the street and everything. But then that's offset with just these amazing, like, full-color ads just literally popping off of buildings and stuff in full 3D holographic things. Yeah. It's just so... What is that scene where he goes um, to where Deckard is, and it's like a deserty. It's Vegas. Oh, okay. Vegas, so it's yeah. Vegas in the future. But, like, that scene, like, the, the oranges and browns, like, the color that they use in there to make it desolate, but it's somehow beautiful yeah, at the same time. And there's another scene um, later on with Ryan Gosling um, where he's, like, t- basically having a kind of moment of self-reflection while he's l- looking at this giant, like, holograph. So you're seeing, like, his real-life self, but then you're also seeing, like, this larger-than-life 40-foot, like, holographic projection of a woman that's just, like, hitting him on numerous levels emotionally. Just the way that it just—there's such a contrast between the light and the dark in this movie and the way it just catches your eye and just embraces you and pulls you into the world, which I think is an underrated part of how beautiful (sighs) movies can be is that they have a chance to— suck you in and make you feel part of the world that you're watching. I wish I could have been, like liked the movie more because I liked that part, but as a plot-driven story, it didn't work as much for me. I didn't hate it, but yeah, it's better we than were the a first little disappointed. Yeah, it's better than the first one, which, you know, That's in our what opinion, we feel. Yeah, I was going to say our opinion, much, since the world seems to love Blade Runner, and we really haven't. Yeah. That was a great choice. Look at us. We're, 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 right we're, now, we're on the same page. We are already good. nailing it. I'm telling Oof. you. Feels good. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know why you say we are. We are of one mind, Michelle. We are. If, yeah. if we are, I'm immediately going to therapy. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, so my number three choice. Um, I was looking at films that were kind of like imagery of imagination, okay. which I think leads to really beautiful films because you have a little more play with what you're working with. So I was thinking um, two beautiful ones. These are not my choices, but in this realm would be like Big Fish and What Dreams May Come. Oh, man. Like, they look really great, but again, it's like that crazy imagery. But the one that I'm picking is, oh, I love this movie, is The Fall. Do you the know fall. The Fall? It no. is a, it's a really underrated film. I feel like it, it, it's oh, under wait the a minute. radar. Is, no, it has that mind. lead pace. Okay, so it's directed by Tarsim Singh, and it's about this bedridden patient. He's played by Lee Pace, who is super adorable. It's the reason Peter Jackson cast him in The Hobbit was watching this film. But he captivates a hospital girl with this fantastic tale um, involving heroes and mystics and villains that takes place on this desert island. And half of the movie is him in the hospital telling uh, this little girl these stories. And then the other half is the little girl's imagination kind of visualizing them. Hmm. This movie. So it was shot over four years in 28 countries. According to the director, no stages were ever used in the film. It's only existing locations. And, I mean, he found the most magical places to film this. Uh, The cinematographer, who's Colin Watkinson, is so good that I'm telling you, you watch this film, there are like one second, two second just throwaway shots in it that are better than like whole films, that Mm. are more beautiful than most films. So... You know, it's kind of a crazy storyline because it is just a story that he is telling, but it is absolutely worth watching. It's a really good story, too. Like, it's really heart-rendering, um, but whew, to look at, it's awesome. 
Oh, the f- yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out. I had not heard about that one. I do like Lee Pace, too. So yeah. I think he's an underrated actor. That He people- is an underrated actor. The whole film is underrated. The little girl that's in it, too, is so beautiful and adorable. So, like, everything about it is good. And, like, she envisions herself in these crazy storylines where they're, like, these heroes and there's bandits. And mm. they're, like, riding across the desert. And- it does sound a lot like Big Fish, too, which is another, like you mentioned, another good movie for that kind of thing. Absolutely. As well. Also very beautiful visually. Oh, I can't watch that movie it's too sad no, too just, sad at the end cry a lot <laughs> I mean, that's, it's too upsetting that right? was its whole point well, was I guess to that, make you cry well i guess you got me there that it, is kind of true it succeeded so yes please go watch that movie all right okay so, let's see so I i'm think, excited you know what i'm gonna go with one that's both one of my favorite looking and just favorite all-around movies okay every part i'm gonna go with there will be blood by paul <sighs> thomas anderson god do i love that movie so this is probably Daniel Day-Lewis's best movie, like his best acting job, in my opinion. Yes. So if you haven't seen it, uh, he stars as Daniel Plainview, who's a oil tycoon mm-hmm. in, I'm not even sure when it is, early 1900s, we'll say. Sure. sure. Late 1800s, early 19, that works. So <clears throat> this movie is just about his life as he becomes like a big time oil baron. But the way that they use the setting and stuff, because it is basically a desert movie. Which, depending on how you shoot them, can either be really boring or really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And not surprisingly for Paul Thomas Anderson, he manages to just nail the beauty. He has a vision, that man. No doubt about it. So just everything about this movie is just beautiful. Again, he just the movie starts 20 minutes without any dialogue. It's all just based on what is you're it? seeing. Is it? I don't even remember because I was just, you're immediately sucked in. Yeah, it's just, it just okay, so the movie, as it follows along the guy's life, he's basically living in this deserted not deserted, but he's growing up this oil boom town kind of deal. Oil boom. Oh, man. I got to tell you, I got to start fighting. I got to start bringing water to these shows, man, because I've got a, the old frog in the throat there. Is, so, that, is that right? You're yeah. perfect to me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So they're just looking over the desert, and as they're looking for oil, it's one of those things where the movie eventually starts, the visuals of it start to take on more of his personality. Like things start to become a lot darker more mm. through the movie. It starts out, everything's kind of like bright, too bright, kind of like an overwhelming brightness and stuff on everything. But then as the movie goes it, with the oil, with more rain and stuff, with more dark and as happening Paul indoors. Paul Dano, part, the preacher, appears. Oh my God, Paul Dano. And very much upsets <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, it definitely gets darker. Um, but just this is just such a beautiful movie to look at. It's going to suck you into its story. You're going to get entranced by just looking. And then, underrated part of it is when you've actually film people in the movies it's not always just about the environment it's Mm -hmm. about when you can actually get a look at people's faces that's why it's an excellent choice for visually stunning because it's not like the the two movies that i talked about are definitely made as more visual films whereas this is definitely like a drama with you know a dialogue driven film but yeah like still manages to be beautiful which is excellent you mentioned paul dano and then daniel day lewis just when they focus in just on their faces there's just so much going on in every little twitch every little eyebrow movement just the amount of dirt and stuff on their face (laughs) when it can be about an oil tycoon but i'm like i would not care about at all and i love that movie Oh, it's, yeah, it's just so good. Not a, I, if you had a milkshake <laughs> and I had a long straw. I, I knew about that line before I saw the movie oh and I was God. waiting for it. I drink your milkshake. It doesn't it's come so to good. The, it doesn't come until the end, but it does make you pop when you hear it. You're like, oh, there it is. It's so I've been good. waiting for it. Go check it out, people. I am and go read the book, Oil, by Sinclair. It's another, what it's based on. I'm in love. 
love with your choices today. Are you? I'm really, I'm super happy. Mark it down, everybody. I think this I might be the first time. No eye rolling. There's no eye rolling. We're like 15 minutes in. Episode, <laughs> These eyes have stayed normal. Episode 47. We finally <laughs> done it. Okay. My next film, this is a movie that I think a ton of people, well, I know a ton of people um, disliked. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have to guess about that. I'm pretty sure that... Um, what did I read? In some American theaters for this film, they set up signs warning moviegoers about the like enigmatic and non-linear narrative of the movie after so many confused people walked out and demanded refunds in the opening week. Oh, I think I know where we're going with this. I went to the movie and people walked out while I was there and I'm in the theater just crying and having like a spiritual moment. So we are talking about Mabu, Terrence Malick, of course, and Tree of Life. That's it. Now, yep. almost everything Terrence Malick has touched is beautiful. I'm gonna say my favorites. I'm going from least to most, even though my least is still beautiful. Would be New World, mm-hmm. Badlands, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line, and then Days of, or Tree of Life. Really, Thin Red Line's that low, huh? Okay. No, I'm saying Thin Red Line is right before Tree of Life. Oh, I okay. Did it backwards. Descending order. You yes. tricked me. You tricked like my me with list today. Yes. So, Tree of Life, Terrence Malick. Cinematography for Emmanuel Lubetsky, who is... <laughs> oh, I, I was going to... I got a movie from that guy coming up soon myself. <laughs> that guy is amazing. But, so this film, like I was saying, which is weird, it's highly philosophical. It's about young Jack, and he's one of these three brothers growing up as part of the O'Brien family in small town Texas. He has a contentious relationship with his father, played by Brad Pitt. Um, and then he gets along with his just lovely mother, Jessica Chastain. And then it goes to him as an adult, uh, played by Sean Penn. Not Sean Penn plays yeah, aren't great. Yeah, yeah. But he struggles with his past and he tries to make sense of his childhood while also kind of grappling with bigger existential issues. So that's the film. So you can already be like, mm, I don't know. It already sounds very confusing. But you it is. you have it. to know going into it that it is less narrative and it is more startling imagery. And the imagery. I mean, it literally, I, I was just crying. It's so beautiful. This man knows how to use light so well. But I mean, he's kind of, I feel like it's really controlled chaos on his sets because he's so demanding. Like, he, this film was only ever shot in natural light. Okay. So, I mean, it's like Days of Heaven was even crazier. He only filmed at Magic Hour, which is that period of time either right when the sun is rising or right when the sun is setting, when you actually can't tell which it is. It's when the sky is most beautiful. He only filmed Days of Heaven in that time. He's he's a total banana. But so in Tree of Life, he had the same rooms in the house built in three different houses facing different directions so that they could pick their favorite light in Mm. each room at the time. I mean, that is like an amazing attention to detail. That just shows you how important light can be in a film. And then, I mean, the movie's weird. There's like a family story. Dinosaurs appear. There's like a supernova in the film. You you should don't even try to explain a (laughs) Terrence Malick movie. But it's so beautiful. (laughs) And in the supernova part, they have uh, Douglas Trumbell, who's responsible for the visual effects in 2001 Space Odyssey and Blade Runner. Um, And he they don't use like any sort of computer effects to make this supernova he experimented with like dye and paint and milk and chemicals Hmm. um to to really make this just surreal and magnificent you know act of nature i mean it's crazy you've seen the film i have yes 
I'm I don't sure, remember understanding a thing about it, but no. I remember watching it and thinking it was a beautiful movie to watch. It was so beautiful to watch. I feel like you get a real sense of loss was my feeling in the film, so I, I was really moved by that, um, of just kind of losing family or losing someone you love. But um, the Emmanuel Lubetsky explained that Malik's kind of approach to filmmaking is that photography is not used to illustrate dialogue or a performance, but instead is used to capture emotion so that the movie is very experiential. So it's meant to trigger tons of memories, like a scent or like perfume or something. Like that is the goal of the film. Well, so it's a pretty ambitious goal. Yeah, and he pretty much nails it. Like every whatever he's going for. I've never seen him actually fail in whatever kind of thing he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean Malik's newer stuff I, I sadly haven't been able to I haven't been as affected by, like to the wonder and I think there's another one. Um, but his older stuff just they're all really, really beautiful. Yeah. So go, yeah, go check it out, people. Just see we, we can't describe plot because, you know, there, there is, isn't one. There but isn't. Just watch the movie. It's my number two of most beautiful films ever. I feel like that says something. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. You know, all right. Just what take it? our word for it, everybody. Okay. Well, maybe your next film has a plot. It does, actually. And they say it's an ending and everything. So my next one <laughs> is another Emmanuel Lubietzky movie. Yes. And that is going to be The Revenant. We brought it up before. Yes. So this is basically another cowboy movie favorite of mine in case you couldn't tell you like the films that are somehow like they're gruesome they're rough and tough but still very beautiful to look at yeah well i think you know there's ways to do it you don't want to make if you're going to do that kind of thing you might as well go all the way with it yeah so this is um movie made by alejandro Inaratu, one of the best directors out there mm -hmm. another one who does the kind of craziness that you were just mentioning with malik where they filmed the revenant only on they only use natural light for this movie as well um, they only they filmed it in parts of the Canadian wilderness, saying it's the U.S. That had never been filmed before. Never, yeah, that's so amazing. <laughs> the idea that they had to like drag camera equipment and the stars and everything out there just to t get some of these shots, just incredible. Um, oh, it's just so beautiful. Some of the visuals that are going on in this movie. gruesome, gruesome, yes, it's the, a gruesome film. You will not be able to watch that bear attack. Or I can't remember. Did we do a whole like? We mentioned it before. Yeah. I don't think we've done okay. a whole episode about it. Um, but just a look at what this, that's still amazing to me that this is the kind of beauty that is still existing in um, North America today. If you just know where to look for it, that feels good. It looks like the kind <laughs> of, good. it looks like the kind of movie that you thought was all CGI and special effects for the background, but it's like, no, this is all stuff that still exists. You can go to these places if you really want to. You can still be mauled by a bear if that is what you're looking for. I mean, you it's know, still possible. it's not not what I'm looking <laughs> for. Okay. Um, but uh, it's just such a beautiful movie. The way they get the, just looking at the way the weather changes, you get a look at how kind of definitely cold it was. Like, you can't look at this movie and not feel, just think to yourself, like, I would not survive back in these times. Oh, like, I legit would not survive back in those times. Like, if I have no question about that. You're just, like, looking at them, like, walking through what you know, like, when they're going through streams and stuff that you just know are just freezing. You're yeah. Like, no. No, I'm not even going to. I mean, and it was it was so rough on the actors because they're like, yeah, we were actually doing that, though. It felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cold. I actually had to eat that <laughs> fish. <laughs> did they? Yeah, you did. Well, I guess all fish we eat is dead, huh? Oh, uh, well, I guess well, not, so, not all of it. Not if you go to the right sushi places. Oh. That's a story for another day. Um, but aside from The Revenant, like, just Lubeski is one of my favorite 
like cinematographers, directors of photography, because he's done some of my favorite movies. He also he did Tree of Life, like you said. He did Birdman, which is another fabulous oh, looking God, movie. The way that that is shot is unbelievable. Um, yes. He did Gravity, another fabulous looking movie. Fabulous looking, again, not my like favorite. Is weird. It's movie. another one that's more of an experience. But in the, the shots are are unreal. Um, Children of Men, one of my top mm. five. That was that was going to be on on my list, yeah. but I was like, didn't make the top four. And completely out of left field, the birdcage. So another did he? Yes, he did. And I was like, that just that's funny. That's just all around. That's one of my favorite comedies that I, I know, never knew I, I know. liked we until talked I ended up watching. That. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but just yeah, Revenant people, go all check right, it out sweet. for and read the book too. I'm going to do one more film, and then if you have one, and then I'd like yeah, to talk go. about some of those picture books. I'll go quick. Does for that work it. for you? Okay, so now da, 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 my number one. This was actually tough for me. Um, because there are two by the same person, Ron Frickle. No, Ron Frick. Nailed it. Yes, I'm going to say that I did. He has a bunch of films. Um, Baraka is one of my favorites, but for this I had to go with Samsara. Now, let me explain to you Samsara so you don't go run out and get popcorn and think that you're going to be watching like a film. This is kind of like... A tone poem, I would say. A tone poem. Tone poem. You like that? I do. That's good trademark, so nobody take it. <laughs> no words, no dialogue, no plot. Okay? Ooh, but okay. I'm telling you this is like the purest form of, of cinema. So samsara, which is, um, it's a Sanskrit word, which I think means continuous flow, which makes sense when you're watching it. It's like the repeating cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth. Um, in Hinduism and Buddhism, but I was just, um, you know, working up on my Sanskrit the other day. So <laughs> you, that is absolutely correct. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, but it shows worlds of the filming takes place where there's sacred grounds, there's disaster zones, there's industrial complexes, there's all these natural wonders. The whole the film is it's really beyond language. It has it says its message by virtual emotions and kind of an. Um, like aesthetic association, it was shot on 70 millimeter film, which everything that's shot on 70 millimeter film is really beautiful. It was filmed in almost 100 locations in 25 countries over five years. Hmm. Every, there is not a single frame in this movie. This is my like guarantee that you couldn't freeze frame at any moment in the whole film and not and like hang that on your wall. Hmm. Every single shot is so beautiful. The film, it is majestic. It is overwhelming. Um, I, I, it's a hard sell because, like I said, it's not like it's not a movie. It's something you have to go into knowing that you're just going to experience the beauty um, of the visuals. But it's totally worth it. I watch it all the time. That and Baraka, which is also really beautiful. Um, Samsara just and there's something about it just eked, eked ahead a little bit. That is interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to watch a movie where you don't actually have to pay attention. You can just, like, look at it and And that's really great. The only And I, I like the, the music with Samsara. The only thing with Baraka is that when they edited it, they had the soundtrack playing, and I feel like the music kind of dictates the shots a little more, which I don't totally hmm. love, whereas Samsara, they edited it silently, so it kind of exists even more on its own visually often when i watch both of them sometimes i watch them on mute though and i put my own music on and it kind of adds like a whole new spin to it so every time you watch it it can be a little different depending on what you're listening to all right i'll have to give that one a shot actually Yay, i've always seen them but i never never ended up watching it so totally i think I'll actually worth it. especially yeah 
chilling on the couch a little. It feels good. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a nice <laughs> little way to do it. Sounds like the perfect plan, actually. It yeah. is a cold, rainy Friday today. There so. you go. So do you want to do another one? Or? Yeah, I got a quick one for okay, you. Okay, let's do um, it. Because I don't think, I don't know if you've seen it or not. But I'm going to go with one of the movies I saw as a teenager that I'm surprised I still liked mm. and enjoyed. It is In the Mood for Love. Did you ever see it? I don't think so. So it is, I saw it at um, down at the Market Arcade before, and it just caught my attention. Yeah, it is directed by Hong Kong director uh, Wong Kar Wai. Okay. That's how he says it. So the movie is about uh, one woman and a man who both find out that their husband and wife are having an affair with each other. Bummer. So then these two meet each other and then they have to basically come to terms with the fact that their significant others are cheating on them them with this other person and they're trying to think like what does that say about me what does that say about the other person like what caused all of this but it's such a beautiful movie because it's set in hong kong in the 70s Mm -hmm. and it's just it grabs that aesthetic like you feel like you are in 1970s asia Hong Kong. There's just smoke-filled rooms. Everything's very cramped. Um, everything's kind of like a hodgepodge. It looks like no, there's not like a sim- like a flowing aesthetic. Like everything just feels like these are all different pockets of people's lives. You're just very intimate. You're right on top of them. You, it helps you really get into the feeling of the emotions that these people are going through, okay. how they're trying to process this. Um, in addition to just the city itself, that it's so big. And I don't know if you ever like seen like pictures of hong kong and stuff like that yeah of course but it's just it's such a huge but small city at the same time and the fact that they're just kind of wandering about the city trying to find their place in it and how this big event is basically up like changed their entire lives it's just such a oh, it's hard to describe it it's such a, just a beautiful like beautiful it. little small movie there's to go emotion check out. in your eyeballs so yeah. that tells me right now i have to see it when i, yeah, I saw it when i was like 17 and i was like not expecting anything of it because i kind of got sure. dragged to it but then I, when i left i was like that was such a good and affecting movie i'm gonna come check that out it's just such a such a beautiful movie you go check it out if you don't mind okay foreign language movies which i know you do not i'm gonna do it um okay so we're gonna we're gonna probably go a few minutes over here because i do want to talk about some of these picture books but here's a question because i have a lot of of picture books that I want to talk about and there's so many more pretty movies do you want to do this again next week sure why not talk about beautiful movies yeah I got a couple more on my list here awesome we're gonna do that but so for now I want to mention that so it's since 1952 the New York Times has a rotating annual panel of three expert judges who consider every illustrated children's book that was published that year in the United States and they select the winners purely on the basis of artistic um, matter so this time the judges, they had a children's literature historian and critic, a children's librarian at the New York Public Library, and then an author and illustrator of many acclaimed picture books, who's actually a past winner of this award. So, yeah, since we're talking about all things beautiful. Might as well. I mean, these are definitely, and they are really lovely to look at. I mean, if you stop in a library, it wouldn't even hurt to just kind of grab it off the shelf and go through it. So I'm going to do just a few of them, and then we can finish the list next week. But the first one is called Dreamers. It's written and illustrated by Yuyi Morales. And it is a colorful collage. It creates a wonderful kind of dreamlike effect in this very powerful story about a mother and her child leaving Mexico and this unexpected journey in search of a new life. Absolutely worth checking out. It was a really popular book this year. The next one is called Florette. It was written and illustrated by Anna Walker. And it's a 
kind of earth-toned, really claustrophobic cityscapes, and they're overtaken by this lush greenery and gives a really glorious visual representation of this increasing hopefulness of a little girl settling into this new urban landscape. Mm. So that's a great story. The next one, and pardon me, is Ayobami and the name of the animals. I hope I said that right. And it is written by Pilar Lopez Avilia and illustrated by Mar Azabal. You're not making it easy on yourself. I'm really not. But um, So this is a really beautiful gem. It's about a girl who wants to learn how to read. And letters just kind of burst forth from imagery. It's done in cut paper collage of different rainbow colors. And each page tells its own story with uh, you know, like a really quiet, understated voice. Mm. But I feel like that really makes the art pop more. And then I'm going to do one more, which is The Forest, which is written by Ricardo Bazzi and is illustrated by Violeta Lopez and Valerio Vidali. <laughs> and so this is um, this story is kind of like a fairy tale walk in the woods. And it's a thrilling visual excursion into like uncharted territory featuring there's elaborate die cuts there's gatefolds and embossed images um the artists are from italy and spain so it has a real flair to that and they're beautiful mm. check these books out grab them even if you don't have children i mean it's like having a, a piece of art in your yeah. house they're totally worth grabbing you don't need kids to read picture books i'm sure you'll be able to get through it yeah sure. no way that's, we can do anything. Okay, so we did it. We, we went a little over, but hey. It's, well, you know what? When we're talking about great visuals, it's okay to go a little bit over. Right, because who doesn't want that? And now, of course, I have to add a couple facts. I was kind of um, looking at some things that I felt fit the beauty of the world. So here's a couple things that are fascinating. I, I, this, this fact just kind of blows my mind in its own way. Do you know that you can fit all of the planets in the Milky Way? Okay? All them planets in the Milky Way between the Earth and the Moon with a little space left over. Really? Like what? But where are you going to put the nougat? (laughs) (laughs) I can't leave an episode without that horror. Garbage. I can't leave without getting you to get that look on your face, Michelle. Whatever. (laughs) You ruin everything. Also, here's something that is, we're going to blow your mind. Do you know that there is less time that separates the existence of humans and the Tyrannosaurus Rex? than the T-Rex and the Stegosaurus. Oh, well, huh? Yeah. Oh, that doesn't... Take yeah. a minute and let I'm that... Not, yeah, I'm not going to think about that too much. Closer in time, us and the T-Rex than the T-Rex and the Stegosaurus. Boom! Crazy. And last one, that the that Earth might have been purple. Hmm. So, you know, life on Earth, it may have been just as purple as it is green today. So this is from a microbiogeneticist at the University of Maryland, Shil Des Sarma. God, you couldn't find a John Smith friend? I just couldn't. And he has said that ancient microbes um, might have used a molecule other than chlorophyll to harness the sun's rays and one that gave the organisms a violet hue. Oh. 
I kind of wish that would have happened. Man. Yeah, can you imagine looking down on Earth and instead of it looking green and blue, it was purple. Yeah, that would it, <laughs> so, planet would look cooler. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Prince cooler, Newell, Prince Newell was up. He had the right idea. He's like everything. He's he's, he's working on it. Um. Okay, so that is our show. And don't forget everything you hear on All Booked Up. You can check out at your local library at all 37 branches. And if we don't have it, just ask for it and we'll have it sent to you. And cool. You'll get it. So check it all out, people. Okay, so please join us next week while we talk about more things to please your eyeballs. The prettiness of the world. Uh, all right, thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye.